I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a truthican. And the truth, as I see it, is that we've been divided in this country by design by people who benefit from that division. And it's not going to turn out well for 99% of us unless we all come together as one human race, realize we have all the power, and tell the establishment to go fuck themselves. Before Trump won, then everybody was like, these election machines are all fucked up. They shouldn't be connected to the internet. And why are there computers inside them when they just got to count shit? But then Biden won, and they were like, no, they're fine now. If you're not smart enough to be my friend, fuck you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Truth Again Podcast, episode 58. I'm your host, Tim Gaither. That's your other host, Mike Baldwin. And uh, we think a lot of things that are going on in the country right now that you don't see on the news. Unfortunately, um, you know, we think the election was stolen. We think that Trump's the best hope that this country has to get America back to being what it's supposed to be. And uh, we have a lot to talk about, as always. We've got some great videos today. We were going to talk a little more about Pizzagate. I wanted to bring up uh, some stuff about uh, Travis Kelsey and the vaccine commercial. And uh, so lots of stuff, as always. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm broke. And uh, I got some work this weekend. It always works out that way. I've been doing comedy since the year 2000. And uh, I haven't had a real job since like 2006 or seven or something. And every couple of years, I get to a point where I don't have any work on the schedule. And I'm super in debt. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go apply for jobs. And the moment like I fill out an application, I'll get an email or something that's like, hey, man, you want a thousand dollars to do comedy tomorrow? And I'm like, yes. And it just always works out that way. So the other day I was broke and I went and applied at Chili's and Dunkin Donuts. And uh, then the next day I got a text from the Blue Room in Springfield asking me if I wanted to go open for Saturday Night Live's Kevin Nealon this weekend. So I'm going to go do that. I wonder if he's going to um, ask you to be clean or anything. I'm prepared to uh, have that happen. Um, I've I've it's a two man show, too. So I have to go up cold, which I used to hate. Uh, but luckily, I've gotten better at it. And I've got some jokes that only work when I'm the first person on stage. Uh, so I'm excited to do those. And uh, yeah, hopefully he's cool. Everybody that I've talked to that has worked with him are like, you're going to have a fun weekend. He's a cool guy. So we'll see. Yeah, I featured for him a long time ago. And I've, I used to do spots down at the Laugh Factory when he had this uh, night on Tuesdays. And he would interview us and and uh, got a pretty good clip from that. But um, I remember a long time ago, I featured for him in Orlando at the Improv. And, uh, it was me and Gary Minky opening the show and, and, uh, his parents were coming and he wouldn't let his parents come until after we got off stage because he was afraid we were going to be dirty. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah. But he was super cool and nice and, uh, and, and all that. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll have a good time with him. He's, he's always been cool to me. All right. Well, we'll see. Tune in next week. I'll just be like, fuck him, man. <laughs> maybe maybe not yeah i just did uh stir crazy and man i don't know what it is with me and my luck when it comes to recording stuff but i i had two shows where i did like i don't know i bet i did 20 minutes of crowd work and the second one started out really rough like i it was a probably the most awkward first two minutes of my entire career and then just something 
took over in me where I was just like, well, screw it. And, uh, and I just started having a great time with these people. And long story short, I did all this. I haven't got to watch the video yet, but really good crowd work. At least it felt good. Like it just felt good. You know, like this is how I want to be all the time. And sometimes I am that way. And then it seems like the very next show I do, I try to be that way. And the crowd's just not receptive to it or they're not, you know, yeah. Comedy is just such a weird animal that way. Um, but anyway, long story short, my audio, which I try to record on an iPad because it never sounds as good on the camera because people are talking or some dishes are banging in the background or whatever. Um, that didn't work at all. Like it looked like it was working. And then I got off stage and I was all excited to listen to the audio because a lot of times I like listening to the audio rather than looking at my stupid face mm -hmm. and I can enjoy it more that way. And I went to listen to it that night to like put me to sleep and there was no audio, no, nothing at all. So that's twice in a row that I've been like, I can't wait to see this. And then nothing. But did you get, have you, can you hear it through the video that you have? It's not terrible. I mean, it could be better. Um, but in the beginning of it, especially you can hear like, um, someone clanging dishes and this one girl had a really fun laugh, um, that I, I had some good jokes off of and stuff, but she kind of, I don't know. Uh, we'll see if she messed up the jokes, but I haven't been able to watch it yet. My buddy Kurt came back with me, he featured for me and then he came home with me, uh, for a few days. So he's in the other room. I tried to, I wanted to have him sit in on the podcast, but it wouldn't work audio wise with my headphones and all that. So. You guys would have um, to just sit next to each other, talking to the same mic and shit. Yeah, or share a microphone, or share uh, earbuds or some something. Ah, uh, something. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I worked with uh, Louis Katz over the weekend, and uh, nice dude. And we were talking about uh, how every comedy show is a little bit different. Like they're all the same, pretty much, but they're all a little different. And we came up with the analogy that. It's uh, it's like playing chess. Like there's a million different things that you can do in a game of chess. You're still playing chess. We're still doing comedy, but every show is like, oh, that guy fucking moved that right there. Like I totally expected him to move it right there. Like this is crazy. It's never happened to me before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The first show Saturday was like a more of an older, a little more conservative crowd and i don't mean conservative like politically just like oh we don't know if that's okay kind of a crowd mm -hmm. um but i was happy with the job i did it was like work but i was still happy with the job i did um but it was also weird like i did every joke i've got pretty much and some jokes i don't normally do and it seemed like it was hard to even do 45 and then the, the next show uh, i did a ton of crowd work and it was like like I said, everything I want to be on stage, which I'm just, I was just kind of fearless and messed with everybody. And even though they weren't really into it at first, I, I forced them to get into it because I just gave them so much shit about how brainwashed and stupid they'd become. And, <laughs> um, and it worked out for me. It was great. I was like, this is the kind of comic I want to be. Like it was, you know, I felt like, I felt like, like when I used to watch Bill Hicks and just be in awe of him, I was like, I felt as close to being like that as I could be. Um, but then like the night before that, the first show Friday was terrible. They were just a terrible audience. And, uh, but that I did had no problem doing my time and they were hardly laughing at anything. It's just, it's just a weird, 
comedy's weird, man. And I've been it's, doing it for 25 years. I don't think I'm ever going to figure it out. It's fun though. I like it. And it's weird that, yeah, I'm, I'm at 20 something years myself. And like just this weekend, I was like, Oh yeah. Like I've never thought about that before. It's like, you've never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been doing it this whole time? If you're not thinking about that. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah, it should be a fun weekend. I'm glad that you had fun. I bet that video is better than uh, you think that it is. And you should uh, either chop it up or send it to me and I'll chop it up for you. And uh, we'll get some quality videos out there for you. I'm thinking about just putting the entire 20 minutes or however much crowd work it was, just forming it into one long ass clip and putting it on YouTube rather than busting it up into several. But um I'm not yeah, sure. especially if it's crowd work, you might as well because it's not like you're burning any of your material or anything. Yeah, and I and I didn't hate the way I looked, which I do on a lot of videos. I'm always like, God, am I that old? Or you know, how do I come out look like such shit? Do I really? I don't look like that when I see myself in the mirror. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, well I've got I got over that in fifth grade, you know. Yeah, well, where I was like, yep, eh, fuck it, I look like I look, and I always like. I don't remember how I learned this or whatever, but I realized at a very young age, like the way that my voice sounds when I listen to a recording only sounds weird to me. Like everybody else that listens to that recording thinks that that's how my voice always sounds because that's how they hear it. You know? Yeah. Like we would sit in my basement, me and my next door neighbor, Brad and Becky. Uh, Brad was one year older than me. Becky was my age. And we would do like interviews or like fake TV shows or whatever on our video camera. And then we would watch them. And I just remember Becky always being like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe I sound like that. And I'm like, that's how you sound all the time, all the time. I don't think I sound like this either, but I know I do. Well, I always think like I always think like an outfit looks okay or like I matched well or whatever, and then I see myself on video and I'm like, you look like a dork. <laughs> but in the mirror, I look fine. Or my wife will be like, oh, that doesn't match at all, and I'm like, really? I thought this man. How can I be in my 40s and not know what matches? But I don't. <laughs> anyway, good times. Yeah, uh, comedy's fun. We're ten minutes into this bitch. What do you want to? What do you want to talk about today? I do want to talk some about PizzaGate, and I tried to make as many notes as I could. I was watching Fall of Cabal, but it gets it gets overwhelming. Like I almost just want to watch the whole damn documentary together. We couldn't do it at one stretch because it would be like a five hour podcast. But it's overwhelming. Like they talk about the media, and they talk about all the people involved in PizzaGate, and they talk about Soros, and she talks about. Just all these things, and the best part about it is that, and I've done it on a few topics, it's all researchable. Like you can, you know, she throws out names and you can look up that name and be like, oh, wow, that girl was a victim of so-and-so, and and I even got that guy, John Wedger, I got his name off of that podcast, off of that documentary, and I talked to him, and it's a really fascinating story. I don't think near as many people saw it as they should have, but it's like three hours and some of the stuff he talks about is just absolutely vile. And I understand why people just want to stick their head in the sand about it, but I feel like it's something people need to realize like, wow, these things do happen and people in higher ups do cover the shit up. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's overwhelming. I, I do have something later I want to share about Snopes to the, um, the fact checker thing. And, you know, it, that's like one of the main fact checkers, 
And if you look up, if you figure if I've got it here somewhere, I'll just go ahead and do it now. Uh, David Mickelson and his ex-wife, um, he divorced his wife because he spent like 98 grand on prostitutes and she divorced his ass. And then he married a call girl and her name is Elisa Young. And they were the, they're the two main people at Snopes. Um, she is the Snopes administrator. She was a, a call girl and porn star, like I said, and the Snopes administrator and their only fact checker is a girl named Kim LaCapria, also known as uh, sex and fetish blogger Vice Vixen. So that's their only fact checker. And they have no researchers, no lawyers, um, and they're very strongly politically biased. And you would think that Snopes is like some legit organization because that was one of the main, I don't even know if they're a thing anymore, but for the longest times, they were like, let me fact check it. And I was like, Snopes says that's bullshit. And I was like, well, Snopes is what's bullshit. And that's, you know, like if, if something is pro Hillary Clinton, like especially Facebook, um, there's no censorship on it at all. I guess she's uh, Google and YouTube and Facebook are all very pro Hillary. Um, and if you, you know, like we're always saying positive things about Trump, that stuff always gets, you know, it, it, it always gets uh, censored. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just all very interesting. Like, man, everything is bullshit. And, and, you know, you understand why people think the way they do because they're lied to and they got other things to do besides look into it. Yeah. I was listening to uh Russell brand to interview a, uh, some guy who's doing something with Google. And this guy found out about Google that, uh, that they probably, uh, swayed like millions of votes in the 2020 election just based off of, you know, people being like, did Trump really say this thing and Googling it and Google telling them through the links that it provides, like, yes, he did do that. Or yes, he is guilty of this thing or whatever. And purposely hiding the things that are like, no, and here's evidence of him not doing that. Um, so yeah, they did, uh, this guy he was talking to, it's an interesting interview. It was on uh rumble, I believe on, on his thing. And we don't have any, or actually we do have one Russell brand video, but I think that's kind of a fucked up thing that's going on with him. And, um, and we can talk about that a little bit too, but anyway, yeah, the, everything is biased. Like in order for Snopes to, to work, to be out there the way that it is, Number one, they just have to take the right angle on whatever the question is. And then they have to have people like Google in their pocket that are like pushing them out to to them. If you type in like Trump fact check or whatever, Snopes is almost guaranteed to be on the first page, you know. So it's just one other little thing of like people are like, what? So you think the Snopes people are are in the cabal or in the deep state or something. And it's like, no, they're just taking advantage of what the deep state wants. The deep state wants a reputable fact checking website to say certain things are bullshit and they do that perfectly. So why would they not be allowed to be Googleable or whatever, you know? Yeah. Useful idiots. It's, you know, part of the reason why so many untalented comedians, especially, that's one that's the one we care about the most but they mm-hmm. their their bullshit gets pushed out the most because they're not like offending anybody and it it, it it's also kind of you know my youtube was blowing up um i've probably talked about this before but 
I was getting 200 subscribers a day. I was like, I'm finally going to get noticed. And all the comments were very positive. And within like a year, I got up to a tw almost 24,000 subscribers. And I haven't had hardly any subscribers in the last, I don't know, six months. And to be fair, I haven't been putting near as much stuff up. But right around the time I started making fun of like Hillary Clinton and masks and all that other bullshit, all of a sudden my stuff just went and I shouldn't be so stubborn. I should just toe the line or whatever, but I, I can't seem to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Well, let's watch a video. This guy, uh, I haven't even watched this whole thing because it's like four minutes long, five minutes long. Uh, but this, uh, what I did watch was interesting. And this guy's basically talking about how everybody's blackmailed. Like the lo this lawyer, uh, this or an AG or whatever, isn't going to go after a criminal because that lawyer is blackmailed. And so we have to, we can't like go from the top down and take these people out because the people right under them are going to just continue doing their job. Like we have to go from the middle out or something. You want to just let him say it? Yeah. And before you play it, I just want to say that George Soros also pumps a lot of money into these like media matters and all that kind of crap that pushes out the agenda that they want the American people to, to know. So yeah. He, and he also spends millions of dollars just getting people elected, getting yeah. attorney generals in random cities elected and, uh, like little elections that we've never even really thought about before. And it's like, why does it matter who my local sheriff is or something, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, you'll, you'll find out that it matters when they're banging your door down. Cause you're said something shitty on Facebook or whatever the case, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's listen. Some leadership that I think is corrupted within our government and within Hollywood and within industry. And that may be why we're not seeing accountability. We're seeing a lot of investigations into the corruption, but we're seeing nobody held accountable. And I think I, I have a theory of why that is. I believe that they're blackmailed. The people that would hold them accountable are blackmailed themselves. So the investigators that are investigating are blackmailed at the top. Let me explain. When I was young, I couldn't drive yet. I was hanging out with the older guys uh, and on Point Doom and somebody popped in a cassette tape into a VHS player and there was a room with a body, I believe it was a male, laying on a table and uh, people came around the room, it was dimly lit but they had hoods and robes on and uh, they had some sort of ritual where they took out a knife and they cut him down the side it was his right side and they took out parts of him and the blood started flowing and they were chanting and um some there was women there and they took off their clothes and then they took the blood and they smeared it on their bodies and started to be sexual with each other it was uh, quite disturbing to see and so uh, they gave me the cassette and I took the cassette to somebody I trusted and I, we watched it and uh, they said never watch that again 
and give it back to whoever gave it to you. So I did that, but I was always confused about why they didn't ask where it came from. And so I believe that I met some of the cult members when I was younger and uh, they could be the Illuminati or tied to them. And um, if you type in Illuminati backwards, it'll actually take you to the NSA, National Security Agency. So, um, if in fact we have no accountability or justice, it could be because these people that are supposed to bring us justice and protect and defend the Constitution are corrupted by this cult, which I believe exists in, in all, all globally, but it especially has a, a roots in um, Hollywood and in, and in the environmental cult and in industry and politics. And so uh, I have no fear of them. You know, I only fear Jesus. And so perhaps whoever's investigating these folks needs to go, we need to go a layer below the top and come up from the mid-level who are not cult members been blackmailed by the cult, possibly. Because uh, that's the only explanation I have for why we haven't had accountability and justice for what they've done to America and continue to do to America while we all just watch. So I share this with the hope that those mid-level people that are investigating the FBI and the CIA will understand that their superiors perhaps will never give us justice because of the level of blackmail involved. All right, that's off my chest. That feels better. Now you all know. Newt's Beef Farm is coming alive and Real American Heroes Foundation is coming alive. All things are moving forward. So I'm super happy about all that. And uh, God bless America. God bless those trying to defeat this cult. In Jesus' name, I give you this message. Amen. You, you know right. who that is, right? No, I'm not sure. Who is that? That's Ricky Schroeder. Oh, was it? Yeah, the guy from, uh, he was in The Champ when I was a kid, which is like the saddest movie you've ever seen, ever. Uh, John Voight was a boxer, and, and he was like a six-year-old kid in the movie. Um, actually looks a lot like my own kid uh, when he was little. Um, but yeah, he, he used to be a big deal in Hollywood, and, and he's one of the few people, you know, most people, there's a handful of them, but in the grand scheme of things, there's only a few people that, and we're one of them, not that we're big deals or anything, but that are that will speak the truth about this stuff or at least talk about it. Um, and I listened to this thing yesterday called Lion of Judah. I always listen to it. It's good to work out, too. And it's all about God and all that. But it's kind of kind of gets you fired up, too. And one of the things he said that stuck out of my mind was if you do what's easy, your life will be hard. And I think that goes along with 
even like sticking your hand in the head in the sand about certain things like, yeah, you might want to not want to hear it because it's easier not to, but you know, society is messed up for a reason. And there's so many screwed up people walking around for a reason. And part of that is because I think there's so many, I think there's so many people that are victims of sexual abuse when they're kids and they just don't talk about it. Yeah. So, I, so anyway, I mean, I, I don't deny that it, that there's probably like Satanists and crazy, whatever molester people in high up places and whatnot. But I feel like that's not a good step one of convincing right. someone else that everything's all screwed up. You know, I yeah. feel like that just makes me think more like the, that Biden being in office is part of some plan because Biden is the exact thing that, the common person needs to see to be like, wait, how is he president again? Like even people that hate Trump, I don't know any of them that are like Biden's so awesome. Like there's a few, but they're just saying that because they hate Trump so much, but like just among my friends and stuff that were like, fuck Trump the whole time. Like we just want him out of there are now like, geez, man, like things, we're definitely not this bad, at least. Like, we might have hated the guy, but things are worse now. Well, and I think it's also because the the their machine is breaking down somewhat. You know, the veil has been lifted a little bit. Like, if they were, if it was like it was 10, 12, 15 years ago when they operated completely in secret, uh, it would just be everything like it used to be, and we wouldn't even realize how screwed up it is. But I think that's part of why there's this, uh, I call it a spiritual battle. Like there's a tr good and evil going on and we're only allowed to see certain things. And I don't know that, that video is pretty interesting, but yeah, that's who that was. Ricky Schroeder. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to play the Russell brand thing. Cause it's sort of on the same vein of like us being lied to and being screwed and stuff. But this was him on Bill Maher. If you are watching the show, you've probably seen it, but it's still a good clip and it's only like a minute. Um, but it's things like this that are why they're attacking Russell Brand so hard right now, because he's on, he's on rumble. He's on the, the free speech kick. Like he talks about all of this stuff all the time and they just want to silence him, you know, not to say that this, all of these accusations are false. Cause I don't know, but I know that the people that are saying that they're definitely true. Don't know any more than I do. We're just choosing sides, you know, but yeah. to me, it's pretty obvious that like if he wasn't out there saying the things that he's saying and didn't have millions of people that followed him and listened to what he said and and are letting their minds be changed because of the things that he said, then they wouldn't write a big article about how he did inappropriate shit to girls 20 years ago. You know, see, I'm not even familiar with what they're accusing him of. Is it from 20 years ago? Uh, a lot of it's from back in his like drinking days. I don't know how long he's been sober, but I know a lot of them are old stories from when he was f more famous, you know, like when was forgetting Sarah Marshall? That was like what? 2000 early two thousands, I think. Um, and I don't know what he did after that. Go get him to the Greek or something. When was that? I don't know. I've always, I, I like what he's saying, especially because I know he leans more liberal or he always has or whatever. And he's just 
speaking the truth as he sees it, which is nice. Um, but I, as a performer, I've always thought he's just one of those guys not really saying anything, but doing it with an accent. So, <laughs> right. Get him to the Greek was 2010. So it's been at least 13 years. I don't know. I could look up the article, but I'm not gonna, but, uh, but no, it's basically, it reminds me of the Aziz sort of stories where it was like, yeah, I went, I went on a date with him. Yeah. I went up to his apartment with him. Yeah. I let him take all my clothes off. And then I decided I didn't want to do any of this stuff. So then I left and he let me leave. And people are like, how dare Aziz do that? <laughs> and you're like, wait, <laughs> what? What did he do? Like, yeah. I know. Anyway, so here's Russell Brand real quick. Some facts. The pandemic created at least 40 new big pharma billionaires. Pharmaceutical corporations like Moderna and Pfizer made $1,000 of profit every second. More than two-thirds of Congress received campaign funding from pharmaceutical companies in the 2020 election. Pfizer chairman Albert Baller told Time magazine in July 2020 that his company was developing a COVID vaccine for the good of humanity, not for money. And of course, Pfizer made $100 billion in profit in 2022. And may I just mention, finally, and this is also a fact, that you the American public funded the development of that. The German public funded the BioNTech uh, vaccine. When it came to the profits, they took the profits. When it came to the funding, you paid for the funding. It's difficult not okay, to... But I, I will just add one thing. It is possible that these are greedy capitalists who made a lot of money. All I'm querying is this. Yes. Is if you have All an right. economic system in which pharmaceutical companies benefit hugely from medical emergencies, where a military-industrial okay. complex benefits from war, where an energy companies benefit from energy crises, you are going to These generate right. states of perpetual crisis for yes. the interests of ordinary and, people. And, well, yeah. God, I'm, that's so annoying that I watched. That's like the fifth time I've watched that. And you can just hear Bill Maher trying to be like, well, yeah, but like every after every sentence, you know, like, you know, he's got people in his earpiece being like, no, refute that. Like, don't don't let that stay out there. It is. It's it's all interesting because it's like if you're a, a trillion dollar medical company, like, why wouldn't you? spend a few of your millions of dollars buying off news stations and buying off like shows and stuff like, Hey, all right, we're going to, your advertising quota or whatever is like a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's not what it is, but let's say they're like, we're going to give you a million dollars and we only want half of the advertising time. But you know, like we also get our say if like, if we don't want you to talk about something and they're like, that sounds great to us. Like you're giving us way more than we asked for. And we don't even have to do that much except do what Bill Maher did and be like, well, well, come on now, Russell, that's not entirely accurate. Yeah. Um, is this a good time to talk about Travis Kelsey or, or no? Cause he just did the. Did you see the commercial he did at the, for the chiefs? Oh, you froze on me. Imagine that. We started talking about uh, Pfizer and shit, and then he freezes. <laughs> it's hard not to buy in the conspiracy stuff because it seems like every time we start talking about certain things, that's when the internet freezes on us. Um, but anyway, Travis Kelsey just did a commercial for uh, Pfizer. Uh, hey, there he is. He's is back. back. All right. Man. Could you hear me during any of that? I heard you mostly, yeah. Uh, but you you cut out also in the middle of that too. So I don't know. We'll figure it out in post-production. Okay. But 
and see, and now it's working perfectly again. I don't understand what's wrong with my internet. I've got, I've gone to the, I have Cox internet and I've taken my box physically to the store and had them replace it. I had a technician out and like checked the lines and stuff. And we just, I have no idea, dude, it's crazy. And it like, 20 times a day i'll just be in the middle of watching a video or something and it just stops and spins and i'm just like uh here it is again but it only stops for like 30 seconds and then it works perfectly again for i'm gonna guess another 15 minutes well just as an aside i did i i don't know if, I, if we were live when i did this told you this or if we were just talking off off the air, but uh, I crafted this like email for this, this comedian friend who's really interested in this stuff. I sent him like, I crafted like this email that took me a good 20 minutes with all these links and, and about check this out and all that. And he was like, did you send me that email? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I never got it. And I went to my sent email and it was completely not there. And I know for a fact I sent it. So even somebody as low level as me, they completely, they, they make sure some, some, some things aren't shared. Um, and that's through an email. So I'm not saying that's what ha is going on with your internet, but I'm not, it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Um, but we started to bring up Travis Kelsey, or at least I did, um, with the Pfizer thing, because that's what made me think of it. Did you see the commercial he did that was touting the COVID vaccine along with the flu shot? Did you see that? No, I just heard that he did a Pfizer commercial. Well, and I also already made $20 million, which I'm not sure how, how people know that that was the number. Um, I mean, if they have that kind of money for one commercial, I mean, good Lord, I know they do. Um, but anyway, I, did, I just, I, I obviously am a fan of him as a football player and a Chiefs fan, even though it's weird that I, I, I wanted the Chiefs to be great my whole life. And then around the time they started to get great, I started to not give a shit. Like I still want the Chiefs to do well and I still watch and all that, but I'm way more of a casual fan than I was like in high school. I mean, I kind of lived and died by it and now I don't really give a shit and, and they're awesome. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. He did this commercial and the whole time I was watching the commercial, I was just like, you freaking sell out. Like you don't have enough money. Like there's clearly a lot of concerns surrounding this vaccine. Um, and he's just a jock. He's not, you know, it's not like he's probably thinking too much about it. He's like, you're gonna give me 20 million bucks. Sure. I'll do it. You know, which I get that point of it, but same yeah. time, the same time, it's like, come on, dude. Um, so I don't know. I'm not a giant, uh, Travis Kelsey fan just cause he also did a Bud Light commercial after the Bud Light, uh, boycott started. So, I I don't think he's I don't think he's political at all. I don't think he's really making these decisions. I don't think he was like I trust Pfizer. I think his manager was just like, "Hey buddy, uh got you 15 mil and 5 mil for myself." And Kelsey's like, "Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> what do I got to do?" And he's like, right. a, "An hour's worth of work. That's it." And he's like, yeah. "All right, sounds good to me. Thanks again." You're the best. So I get it. But at the same time, it's like, you, you know. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's my point is I don't think he's educated one way or another. I think if he uh, it would be funny, actually, if he got to play on the same team as uh, uh, what's the quarterback guy's name from Green Bay that's now at the Jets, is he or? 
I didn't realize he was still playing, but Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, maybe he's not at the Jets. Maybe that's somebody else. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know sports balls enough, but I, if he was, if Kelsey was on a team with him, I bet he would learn a lot more about this kind of stuff. But yeah, I think he's just uh, clueless and doesn't have any reason to be interested in it because he's literally just playing a child's game for millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan, but it's also something that I years ago I probably would have been like, oh, just shut up, let's just watch the game. You know, yeah. and now I've completely changed in so many ways. It's uh, probably pretty annoying to a lot of people. I used to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think of it in, in in every conversation like it comes up. I was talking with the comedian I was working with over the weekend and I walked into the green room and there were other people in there and I walked into the middle of a conversation and he was just talking about how uh, now I'm debating whether to how much information to give but he has a sick family member and he was like i gotta get vaccinated and or i gotta get the new booster or whatever and i was like i don't think that you do dude i was like they're uh the person is taking vitamin d supplements which is like one of the number one things that they found fought off or kept people from getting severe covid when it first started were people that happened to be in the sunlight a lot and and people taking vitamin d supplements and stuff vitamin d played a big part and i was just like i don't think you need it and he's like yeah but you know what and so then we got into a conversation about that started talking about the vaccine and ended with uh, you know, I, th I don't even think there's Republicans and, and Democrats. I think there's one big party that just wants to screw all of us. And I think it's been that way since the year 2000, at least, and maybe way before that. And, uh, we actually had a really, it, it was kind of cool. Cause at one point I was like, do you really think that Joe Biden is more popular than Barack Obama was at his peak? And the dude was like, no, not at all. And I was like, well, he got 10 million more votes than him or 13 million or something ridiculous. And he was like, Joe Biden really got more votes than Obama. And I was like, yeah, according to all this shit, I was like, that's why I think it's all fake. And I started just ranting and going off about mail-in ballots and how the signature and the information is only on the envelope. So once they take it out of the envelope, it's just a ballot that connects to nothing. So they could easily just have a stack of ballots and be like, Oh yeah, no, we got all these out of envelopes. It's cool. We check the signatures. They're all good. Like it, that's how he got 81 million votes by thousands of people all over the country doing little shit like that. I know. I'm constantly surprised at how little people know about certain things. And I don't know why at this point that I'm surprised because I run into that kind of thing all the time. Like, like, yeah, he had, he got the most votes in the history of the United States and Trump got the second most. And people are like, he did. And I'm like, yeah, by several million votes, he got like 11 million more than he did in the first election that he won. Um, and people are just like, really? I didn't know that. I'm like, I know. I know <laughs> nobody knows any of this stuff uh, because I've been so immersed in it that to me, um, you know, and that's another thing I got my feed and all that Instagram and all that. All I see is we hate Biden. So I just assume the rest of the world's that way. And then I go out and I realize, oh, they they still, you know, there's still a lot of people who don't necessarily like Biden, but they're like, well, at least he's not Trump. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, and, and their feed is, is mm -hmm. made for them too, you know? So it's yeah. feeding them 
Trump is is going to jail. They just had that thing yesterday. Did you hear about that? Where the a judge, uh, I don't know what the word is, but a judge like canceled his business license in New York. And so everybody's cheering and shit like they're going to have to take Trump's name off of Trump Tower because he's not even allowed to do business in New York anymore. And uh, oh, I think I froze. Did I? Can you hear me? You froze, but I can still hear you. Weird. All right, uh, <laughs> man. I don't know. One day I'm going to just have perfect Internet and everything's going to be fine. But keep talking. They they said that he can't even have his name on there anymore. Yeah, it was just a judge that. Oh, there I'm back. That uh, I it was some lawsuit or something, and they have to like the Trump Organization or something is no longer allowed to practice business. I could probably find an article and actually sound smart about it, but but it'll just end up at a higher court and they'll throw it out. I mean, it's not. That's I think that's what will happen with all of this stuff. But um. Well, that, that, that seems to be the, the part of the playbook. Like they, they rule these things at lower courts just to get most people in the country that kind of half-ass pay attention, think, certain, think, think something is a certain way, and then they take it to the higher court and throw it out. But, but then by the time they do, all the people who they need to believe that bullshit believe it, and then they're like, well, that doesn't even matter. It's just like that wrap-up smear thing that Pelosi was talking about. It's like, well, by the time the truth is exposed... It doesn't matter because the casual people think it's true anyway. And then we come along and go, that, that was thrown out. And people are like, it was. But then the damage is already done. Yeah. And then they're like, well, still, a judge found him guilty of it uh, in the first place. And that's the judge that I'm going to trust. Right. So, yeah. Let's, uh, what are we at here? 40 minutes. We're trying to stay under an hour. You want to just rifle through some videos? Sure. All right, I'm going to go older stuff here. Let's uh, listen to Ron Paul talking about the FBI. Have we already played this in some old episode? Um, well, there's a lot There's a lot of FBI, CIA stuff out there, so I don't know without seeing it. But um, I do want to, I do eventually towards the end talk more about Pizzagate because there's so much stuff about that. Well, we can just talk about that then if you want, and we can say fuck Ron Paul for this week, even though I like Ron Paul a lot. I do, too. He's the you know, the more I learn about politics, the more I realize why he never got elected. It's like he speaks too much truth and has too many common sense answers that they're like, no, get him out of there. Yeah. Oh, here's this. Uh, this is like a five second thing from Oliver Anthony. And this uh, spells out perfectly what the way that I'm starting to think. Uh, so I'll let him say it. Hey, look, no matter what, no matter what they try to make it seem like on the Internet and on TV and all these places where they control the narrative, don't ever forget there's a lot more of us than there are of them. And I agree with that. I think that even though people don't necessarily know all of the facts, people feel the way that we feel. They realize that our country was better 20 years ago, or at least felt better to us than it does now because of all of these little things that we see have been bullshit all along. Like when I was a kid, the news was 100% truth. You had no reason to question the news. If they told you something on the news, then that's what happened. And that's why it happened. But now I'm starting now that I know, like, well, if the 
pharmaceutical companies giving money to the news and they ask the news not to say bad news about the pharmaceutical company. If there's news about the pharmaceutical company, why would they tell me the truth about it? They don't right. want to lose that advertising money. It's in their best interest to do what the pharmaceutical company wants. And that goes all the way down the line, not just with pharmaceutical shit, but everything that those the big companies own that BlackRock and State Street and whatever those other ones are called, like all of those big companies whose only job is to give money to companies and like put their own a percentage of them, you know, right. Like, they're the ones that are giving money to all of these other all of the media shit that we see. They give money to all of the news channels. They give money to like uh all of the social media, everything that we can click on on our phones or computers at some point, part of it is owned by one of those companies. Yep. Um, yeah. And something he said and something you said reminded me of, well, I say something similar to my act that always gets an applause break about how we're all been divided by design and people who, even people who don't really look into any of the things that you and I look into all the time. Um, it gets an applause break, I think because, People subconsciously know the truth on some level. Like that line of Judah thing I listened to, there's always this guy that, not always, but he breaks in sometimes and he'll be like, the thing about the human conscience is this. Even if you don't believe what I'm saying, you believe what I'm saying. Like even atheists, I think, even people who say there's no God and this and that, like on some level, like we're all born with something inside us that knows like, uh, that's probably not true. There probably is, you know, I believe in God and Jesus Christ and everything else, but the, the human conscious knows that there's something more and the truth is like kind of rooted inside you. Um, so even if you don't know the truth, when you hear it, it kind of resonates with you. So I think the more, the more this goes on, the more people are going to wake up to it, but I constantly get disappointed in people as well. So we'll see. 100% agree. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to, let's see, there's, uh, 80 something, maybe a more than a hundred thousand missing kids that have gone over the border. We can listen to a dude talk about that or, uh, Oh, here's a, this, uh, what's his name? Charlie Kirk arguing with this guy about black people and white people and stuff. And he kind of makes some valid points, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I'm sensitive to, Anytime a white guy was like, you know, what am I as a white guy supposed to do? Or like what the black people need to do is, and it's like, you're still arguing the way that they want you to argue. You're still picking sides, you know, but, but he does make some valid points. So let's listen to him real quick. Okay. Preparation okay. for people that are so in a I white man have to play for black people. Why? Wow, that's a really selfish thing you no, no, just said. Hold on, why should that's I have... That's a really non-empathetic thing to Wait, say. why should I have empathy for a race? People. I'm not saying for you... Huh? Why should the white students here have to work harder to pay for black kids? What is that all about? That's not racist, that's noticing. 
How is it the white man's fault that black men started to abandon the women? It's a bigger problem. No, blacks need to take responsibility for the women that they impregnate, not blame the white man for racism. Things affect this. Why? Why didn't? Why didn't affect the Asians? Why, why did the Asians do so well? America got less racist, and the blacks got poorer because we started to subsidize single motherhood and pandering to blacks saying, yes. you do not need to stay around if with you're the women you're pregnant. So you feel like us as a society has pandered Of, to of course we've pandered to blacks. They're in every TV commercial. They get, they get more privileges to come into society. They come into every college on preferential with lower test scores. You can't ever say anything negative. You can lose your job. You have your entire life obliterated if you say something racist and yet we have to have care about how racist we are how about you take responsibility for your own actions instead of blaming the white man i i have to say sir you are a very good job thank you <laughs> yeah. I, I mean i don't disagree i just don't uh you know i like i said i'm just i guess i'm a pussy or whatever i'm still sensitive to that sort of speak or whatever like i can't imagine myself standing in front of an audience and being like what the blacks need to do you know because yeah. I, I i think everybody's different like i look at a a black dude or a trans woman or a, a white dude with a bald head and a beard if i meet any of them i'm gonna think of them all the same way which is like Maybe it's skeptical at first until I talk to them. And then if they're cool, then I'm cool too. And if they're not, then fuck that guy, but not fuck his whole group. Just the guy. Like, I, I don't see why that's hard for people to understand. You know, like I just like to look at everyone as an individual and I, I take points away. If you're being a, a circus in public, that's the way I think of it. Anytime somebody's doing something, if you're screaming at the bank or if you're, uh, you know, causing a scene in McDonald's or something like that, just you're making a circus, dude. Like, I don't need to see circuses when I just go to normal public places. If you want to be a circus person, go to the beach or the park or home or whatever. But don't do circus shit out in the middle when I'm just trying to, to do my day, you know? Yeah, well, I, mean, I think in a longer clip, he would probably outline it more like, you know, um, if you want to get to the root of certain problems, let's get to the root of it and actually fix it instead of just um, pandering to people and, and throwing all this surface level bullshit out. Like there's a lot of people that are like, well, the problem is racism. And it's like, well, I'm sure there are racists out there, obviously. Um, but there's also a, a, you know, we've talked about it before, the the root of problem like inner city kids and why they get stuck in this endless cycle and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. there's probably a lot more to that conversation that we didn't get to hear. Um, but that kid is just like, well, you're good at shocking, you know, de debating by shocking people or whatever. And um, I don't know that I think there's probably a lot more to that that we didn't get to see. I'd really like his t-shirt though. I would like to get a shirt that says your government is lying to you. I didn't even see a shirt, but yeah, that is. That's yeah, that's what his t-shirt said. That's that's something I could not focus on. Was how great that t-shirt was, but um, but let's talk about let's let's show that video, and then that would probably segue nicely into the whole PizzaGate thing, which uh, the missing kids thing, or yeah, yeah. all right.
This is uh, I can't see what his name is. I recognize him, and he's talking to a guy from uh, the ADL, I think, the Anti Defamation League, or or one of those. Well, eh, don't listen to me. Let's just. When I was a cop, we had a common saying, a bit of a chuckle. We say that I've known many convicts I can trust in my life, and very few attorneys. <laughs> You're here representing the ACLU, sir. Do you speak on behalf of the ACLU this day? Yes. You're here voluntarily? Yes. Are you here with counsel or are you by yourself? I'm by myself. Congratulations. These 85,000 missing children, what's your opinion about that? How's the ACLU feel about 85,000 missing children? So, you think their civil rights might be being violated? Our view is that those children are not likely missing, that the sponsors don't simply answer the phone. Yeah, the sponsors are not real. You know that, right? It's a racket. It's a sponsor racket. That's why they're not answering the phone. That's why you can't find who they are. The vast, large percentage of these sponsors, these kids are getting sucked into, into sex trafficking primarily human slavery, the policies of this administration are supporting that. We're partnering with the cartels with human trafficking. By God. Now, I, I do know that there are tens of thousands of, of kids that they don't know where they are. And I think we mentioned this in a previous episode where kids just come across the border either by themselves or like 30 of them with one adult and they all have like a little piece of paper that has a person's name and a phone number on it. And some border agent, their job is to call that number, be like, Hey, is this your kid? And the person's like, yep. And they're like, all right, we'll throw them on a bus or a plane and send them your direction. And there's no double checking. There's no following up. They try to follow up. They call the number later and they're disconnected or they just don't answer. And, so that's and but that's happening tens of thousands of times all over the United States. So I don't know. Is it are they being sex trafficked? Are they being killed? Are they just being put to work in factories or something? Who knows? You know? Yeah. I mean, how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go and what do you want to believe? I guess as you know, but again, there are some of these names that she throws out in fall of cabal. You can look up these people and if you really want to find out like how gross it gets, you look up these people and, and hear their stories and judge whether or not you believe it themselves. But some of these things I sure don't know why people would make up and uh, the WikiLeaks and all that. I, I My friend Kurt today was telling me that it's illegal to even read those emails. Like I, I screenshotted some today and I was going to read some of them. And I, I don't know if it's I don't know if I can even legally do that. Um, I guess I could do it without without mentioning specific names. Um, I, I don't think that that's even true. I don't think it's illegal to look at those. They were published by WikiLeaks. They're on the internet. They, they exist. But it's funny because a CNN anchor said that exact thing once and it got made fun of for, for months afterwards because the guy, he was talking about how the WikiLeaks things were were bullshit or whatever. I should try to find that clip, actually. And he was like, now keep in mind, like, it is illegal for you to look at these. We're journalists, so we're allowed to look at them. Okay. So was that Anderson Cooper? 
No, hold on here. Uh, because the... he used to work for the CIA before he, as like an intern. Um, but his mom was Gloria Vanderbilt. And a lot of those like uh, Podesta artwork, um, some of it was uh, drawn in like a, the pool of her mansion. And there's a picture I screenshotted. Shit, this is this Gloria Vanderbilt was Anderson Cooper's mother. And that's one of the pictures. I don't even know if you can see it. Um, that looks like a young Anderson Cooper. And there's one of him um, like chained up. I don't know if it's him, but it looks just like his ass. He's like this and it's her pool. Um, but that's his mom. And, you know, speaking of like adrenochrome and all that, if you really want to get out of the rabbit hole, she looks, she like died at 95 and she looked like she was 60. Um, but anyway, there, there's uh, all that Podesta artwork and all that stuff. Um, James Alephantis and uh, who's a full on Rothschild, uh, the guy that owns Comic Ping, Comet Ping Pong, where the mm-hmm. whole Pizzagate thing got started. He's a full on Rothschild, if you look into it. Um, very tight with the Clintons and the Obamas. Um, and there's WikiLeaks that, you know, speaking of those things, the, um, the, you know, we talked about it last week, all the stuff they talk about, like walnut sauce and hot dogs and pizza and all that shit. It's all code words for things pedof- pedophiles say. Um, so I can read it without even reading anyone's uh, thing. Is there something you wanted to say? Uh, no, well, it was Chris Cuomo on CNN that actually said that. And the quote is also interesting. Remember, it's illegal to possess these stolen documents. It's different for the media. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us. Okay. Which I mean, how, how, what a lie does that sound like? Um, but this is one of the emails that I screenshotted it in a way that I can't even see the, the, who's, who it's to and from. So I'm not trying to just cop out, but um, this month we have five fresh new pizzas for your enjoyment. We also have four surviving pizzas from last month's session. What? Like nobody keeps a pizza for a month. Um, so that sounds very fishy. All are on sale and extremely low price as they're in poor health and not expected to survive. So a requirement is that you finish eating your pizza after your session. This month's special includes a 30% discount on severe torture, which I know how crazy that shit sounds, but um each image below is available for thousand a thousand dollars in fine print so there's like all these pictures of stuff that's supposed to be pizza related there's one on here that has in the cc's huma abedin barack obama john podesta b affleck i guess that's been affleck um talking about the hot dogs thing we talked about last like oh, this is from this this one could probably get me killed but this is from uh um Hillary to Barack that says when we get when we began the pizza arrangement I thought we were going to be more careful than this uh, operating from the White House is not what I originally had in mind remember that the hot dogs can come but if you make a spectacle out of it that will be our downfall hot dogs is code for little boys please know that I am speaking as a friend you are the president and can do as you like but I have to say that I think it would be wiser to restrict this activity to our predetermined locations let me know what everyone thinks. We can vote on it. And that's from that's from Hillary. I mean, so I understand, I guess that could be doctored, but there's a reason that she went to the link. She did get rid of 30,000 emails and smashed up a server with her hand with a hammer and her cell phone. And the other part of part of her office caught on fire like the week she was supposed to testify about these emails 
that burned up a lot of this stuff. I mean, she went to some pretty serious lengths to make sure no one ever saw these. Um, so why, you know, and you see shit like that and you're like, well, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, I don't even know if I should have read that. I, I feel like I could get murdered for it. Even well, though- I don't, I looked that quote up on, on Twitter and the comments are like, uh, I think that may be a fabricated email. Do you have a link for that? Uh, and then the guy linked to wikileaks.org slash DNC emails where all of the emails actually are. And, uh, and yeah, I don't think the one that you read is, is on there. I don't, because, uh, I don't think any Obama emails were actually in the WikiLeaks dump. Uh, there might've been a few that were to him, but I don't think any, I, actually I take that back. I'm not sure, but, but yeah, the thing you just said, cause there's nothing in there that's that damning. And that's another thing that's fucked up about it, but it is just, it's enough that we should talk about it when they say, uh, you know, we're buying $45,000 worth of hot dogs for this party. Uh, or, you know, just weird shit like that. It's enough that it's, I know for a fact, it's not nothing. They're not just talking about buying hot dogs for a real normal party. Like, right. And, 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 and as, and as nefarious as I think they are, and, and perhaps downright evil as I think they are, part of me feels bad even reading that one, because like you said, it might not even be true. Um, but I don't want to slander people just because I don't like them or because I believe things to be a certain way. Um, and, and it is so easy to fake things these days. I do have to admit that. Um, and it scares me a little bit. I mean, the, there's been a lot of people who have outed uh, the Clintons, especially that have wound up dead. Um, and I don't think I'm a big enough deal that they're going to come try to murder me. But there are plenty of people there. There's some faith healer that Bill Clinton was associated with who turned out to be like the biggest uh, sex trafficker in Brazil or something. Where, where did I write that down at? The Oprah uh, guy, John of God. Yeah. Um, a faith healer. Where is this shit at? Former CIA, John CIA director, John Brennan now works for the, as an analyst for CNBC and MSNBC, the stuff gets so overwhelming and there's so much stuff to digest that um, it's easy to get. Yeah. But that's, that further proves my point of like all of this kind of stuff doesn't convince anybody who's 100% on the Trump is terrible side. If they're like Trump's terrible and you're like, oh, yeah, well, there's deep underground military bases with kids in it right now that are getting their arms chopped off just to see what happens. Uh, Then they're going to be like, what? I just said Trump was bad. Like I didn't. So, again, it just goes back to Biden politically, I think, is the way that we're going to politically and financially people are going to find out how much we've been being screwed. If they yeah. think inflation's bad now, wait until the trillion dollars we gave to Ukraine starts affecting inflation and whatnot at, uh, a year from now, you know? Like, it's just going to get worse and worse if they continue doing exactly what they're doing. And actually, that might be a nice lead into uh, this Matt Gates thing talking about um, 
oh uh, what's his name kevin mccarthy and stuff he was on this is like a nine minute interview and you should look this up he was on maria bartiromo and uh kind of it's kind of weird now watching fox news like purposely take the side of like uh unip i call them unipartyist republicans these non-patriot republicans i look at matt gates as a patriot republican who's like no let's pass a bill that has one thing on it then we can debate that one thing we can vote on that one thing let's quit passing these giant continuing resolution bills that that are a thousand pages that cover all sorts of shit what let's argue each individual thing anyway so uh here's him talking to her and then we can probably wrap up or I don't have shit to do. We can talk for another hour, but here's this. Republican Congressman Matt Gates. Uh, Congressman, thank you very much for being here this morning. Oh, thank you. I, I'm glad I get to respond to your monologue, because if you're saying that I'm standing in the way of all the Republican wins, I'd love you to enumerate them. Watching my friend and mentor Jim Jordan, it was it was quite painful because he started by saying we should only pick one fight, the border. But then as the interview went on, he said, well, we should pick a second fight, Jack Smith. And by the time the interview rounded out, he was saying that we shouldn't be funding Ukraine without a plan. And yet the very continuing resolution that you and Jim Jordan seem to be for continues to have $300 million more for Ukraine. So I think we ought to fight on all fronts. I think the border is very important. And the best way for us to advance the Republican border policies is to pass the Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill, do that along with veterans, defense, ag, state and foreign ops. We'll have 73% of the discretionary uh, budget funded. And if, you know, the Department of Labor and Education have to shut down for a few days as we get their appropriations in line, uh, that's certainly not something that is, is uh, optimal. But I think it's better than continuing on the current path we are to America's financial ruin. Congressman, I understand. And that is why you are on this program this morning, because I want to give you a fair shot and I want to get your, you uh, heard. So tell me why you are threatening Speaker McCarthy and trying to shut down this government uh, at a time that the Republicans have finally gotten some upper hands here uh, in terms of wins, able to investigate President Biden on what looks like uh, bribery. Yeah, we don't put our pencils down in the investigation of President Biden during a shutdown. So the premise is false. Second, if Kevin McCarthy was actually serious about pursuing the Bidens, he would have sent Hunter Biden a subpoena by now. That's how you know this is sort of failure theater that you're observing. During the first year of Democrat control of the Congress, they brought in Donald Trump Jr. three times over nothing over a nothing burger. And so we seem to be fundamentally unserious in our oversight. But what is serious is the fact that we are spending more than $7 trillion a year, bringing in around $5 trillion a year. And uh, it, I want to fund the government. I'm not pro shutdown, but the way to fund the government is not the same way we've been doing it since the mid 90s, where it's one up or down vote on the entire government all at once. We should have separate single subject spending bills. Kevin McCarthy promised that in January. He is in breach of that promise. So I'm not here to hold the government hostage. I'm here to hold Kevin McCarthy to his word. That whole interview was good. You should look it up and watch it. But okay. Anyway. Yeah, I will. I will. I like I like Matt Gates, even if he looks like Herman or Eddie Munster. <laughs> yeah, he reminds me of Austin Williams a little bit with his haircut and stuff. But nobody yeah. knows who that is. But Austin is famous for saying that he himself looks like Eddie Munster. Okay. <laughs> Um, and it almost looked like that video almost looked like kind of, I don't know, doctored or something like he, he's, his voice, it almost looked like a Kung Fu movie or something. 
Uh, yeah, it could have had something to do with the sound. Sometimes when I screen record stuff, the sound is thrown off a little bit, but, uh, okay. or it could have just been nothing. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, that looks weird. And I'm like, yeah. nope, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what else we should talk about. Or, I mean, there's always so much stuff to talk about with the, like the Pizzagate thing, but, but we then, can... oh, then like ahead. what you were talking about, um, you know, what I, what I shared and then what, maybe it's not even me. I don't know. It makes me feel like I shouldn't have said that. Oh, well, I mean, we, we corrected it right on the air, so no big deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why it's hard to have like when I was arguing, I guess I wasn't really arguing, but when I was talking with, uh, my comedian friend over the weekend, that was the first time. I remember like my heart started beating faster and stuff. Cause I was like, you're having a political argument, Mike, like it's really happening. Like take all of the things that you've learned over the last year or five or whatever, and like use them wisely in this. And, and I would say I did 60% as good as I hoped I was going to, but there were a lot of times where I was just like, I don't know. I don't know why it's like that, but uh, how about this? And like, didn't really have a, a good answer for these things, but, but I know there are people out there that do. And those are the kind of people that I listen to. Yeah. It's hard sometimes to not get fired up about, um, about certain things and you you don't want to like take your time and explain things without letting emotion get involved. But it's not always easy, especially when you don't always get a chance to talk to, you know, when you feel like you're making you might be making some headway with somebody who didn't really think that way. Plus all they have to do is go talk to some, one of their like liberal friends and then them shoot their whole, you know, make them believe everything they wanted to believe anyway. And then it's all a waste of time. So, yeah. But then also there were other people in the room while we were talking. And so I was thinking of the Dan Bongino thing where he was like, you're not arguing with the person you're arguing with. You're arguing for the benefit of the onlookers because now they're going to go get in their car and they're going to be like, did you know that Biden got 10 million more votes than Obama ever got? Like, how does does that happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's all part of the, you know, sometimes I don't think I know what I'm talking about or there's so much stuff in my head that I don't think I can make heads or tails of it. And then as I start explaining it to somebody, I'm like, well, I'm making more sense than I realized I even <laughs> had the ability to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I do that with lots of things, whether it's like sobriety or, you know, comedy's easy, but there's a lot of things that the Bible, I'm starting to understand more and more about that. And I don't think I do. And then I start talking to somebody who doesn't know shit about it. And I'm like, I know more than I, than I thought I did. Yeah. I heard a cool thing the other day. A guy was talking about, uh, uh, how, more people are believing in simulation theory nowadays than ever in the past. And it's because, you know, we have the computer power to sort of get close to something like that now. And so we can imagine it easier, but they were talking about how, what if the whole, like, if you, if you say, I don't think God's real, I think we're in a simulation, then you're just like putting off the responsibility one level, you know? And it's like, all right, well, once we wake up from the simulation, then what's there? What put that thing there? Like you have to get to God eventually. It's the same with the Big Bang and stuff. It's like at one point everything was minuscule and then it, and then it exploded. And it's like, all right, well, everything 
where did it come from? Like somebody had to put that minuscule thing that big banged had, how did that thing get there? And they're like, it just is. It's the same with the, like the laws and stuff like the law of gravity or the speed of light. Like those things are, are definitive numbers. And it's like somebody had to make that the number. Otherwise right. it's like, Nope, that's just how it is. You know? And it's like, but why is it just how it is? Like, is it infinite? And there's just no beginning and no end or it began somehow. Like no matter what, eventually you have to get back to God. But anyway, the whole reason I started talking about that, the guy was like, what if this is a simulation? What if we're from a world where everybody knows for a fact that there is a God and like God has presented himself. And so there's no question at all. And what if they just wanted to make a simulation of what if we weren't sure that there's a God, what would that be like? And maybe we're living through that right now. And you know, who knows, uh, but a simulation could be made for an infinite number of reasons, you know, like let's make a whole thousand year simulation to see if Tim wears red pants this time. Like, come on. Like, cause it doesn't matter. It's just like us playing a game or whatever. It's like, if the technology exists, it's super easy for them to just like, all right, we'll run a simulation of uh, Tim with the red pants or whatever. I don't know. the Right. But something you said reminded me of, of a conversation I was having this weekend with the MC actually, who's also a Christian. And he was talking about, we were talking about how, you know, so many people, especially non-believers want to be like Christians believe that, God created, you know, like, like it's just creationism. Well, a lot of Christians, myself included, you can believe in creationism and the big bang theory. And, but I believe God was the big bang and he created it and started it. Um, and he's the master scientist. And there's a lot of scientists, um, and especially scientists who used to be atheists that have changed their way of thinking because like you said, they always come back to, well, for all this to have worked out the way it did, there almost has to be a, a designer of, of it all. Um, you know, speaking of like evolution and all that stuff, um, there has to, you know, if there was listening to some scientists talk about how, like, if, if, if the creation of the universe was like one inch off and he was talking about all this stuff that I can't even begin to, uh, oh like re- one atom off yeah, yeah i've heard people talk about that like everything has to be perfect for us to be here right now yeah so for that to be just this giant accident is in my eyes just not even possible um you know and a lot a lot of people smarter than me scientists and shit um that again used to be atheists they they eventually come to that conclusion um and then they've seen it in their own life, you know, and I, that's the main reason I believe is because I've seen God answer prayers and in ways that you never thought would uh, manifest, you know, if it wasn't for prayer, at least in my eyes and millions of other people. So, yeah, uh, I've just never like in order to say God, like I just imagine, you know, a man in the clouds with a beard or just magic or whatever, like, I, I always just think of it as like the universe, like the universe just works in my, to my benefit. 
So, and that could easily be God. God could be bigger than the whole universe, you know? Like, he's not a magic man with a, uh, in the clouds poofing shit. Like, that's the childish, simplistic version of what God is. Like, um, but also we're made in his image. So maybe he is a dude. Like, I don't know. That's what's weird about it. But I definitely, the same way that, like, with comedy and stuff, like, I just know for a fact that if I go apply for a real job, I'm going to get comedy work somewhere. Like, is that me having faith in God or is that just me like having faith in karma or whatever? I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you know, it's like a, I'm I'm too scared to tell my girlfriend I love her sort of thing. Like, like, ah, she knows, you know, I'm like, God knows that I think he's cool. Like, I'm not shitting on him or anything. I just. I'm, I'm that guy that's like, I just want, like, it would take one second for him to just be like, I'm real, and then just pop out. And I'd be like, okay, all right, that was enough. I got it. Like, now I'm I'm 100% on board. Yeah, well, there's 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 definitely a lot to it. But um, do you pray? Do you ever pray? Um, not really, no. You should give it a shot. Yeah, I've gone through phases before in my life. I went to like Sunday school with uh, Brad and Becky, my neighbors, uh, when I was young. My parents were just never, they weren't anti anything. They, my mom was just like, I don't want to go nowhere. And my dad was like, cool. Like I work five days a week. So if you're not going to make me do shit on Sunday, even better. Uh, so yeah, my parents were never religious. My dad started getting sort of religious towards the end of his life. I remember him talking about, uh, having dreams, seeing his mom, uh, being like, we'll see you soon, son. And that sort of stuff. And, uh, and you know, I, I was still in my early twenties then. So I was probably a dick to him about it. <laughs> it was just like, it's just a dream dad. But looking back now, like he knew that the end was coming soon and, and he either just had a random dream or the spirit of my dead grandmother visited him. Uh, either way, it made him feel better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. It's helped me a lot. And uh, so I, I try to, I try to, I try to lead people towards that as best I can, but there's a lot I still don't know. So I also don't want to be talking about out my ass, but uh, I'm trying to learn more about it all the time. And um, yeah, we're almost at an hour and 20 minutes. So yeah, there, there's always a lot to talk about. We'll, we'll continue this conversation next week and in the preceding weeks. All right. And then we will end with this thing. Uh, I think this is the president of Hungary talking to Tucker Carlson, uh, just saying cool shit about Trump, which is true shit also. <laughs> Uh, okay. So we'll play this and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. If you were in charge of NATO, if you were, say, Joe Biden, uh, what would your next move be in the war in Ukraine? What would you do? Peace, immediately. Call back Trump. That's, that's, that's the only way out. Call back Trump. Call back Trump. Because, you know, you can criticize him for many reasons. I understand all the, all the discussion. But, you know, the best foreign policy of the recent several decades belongs to him. He did not initiate any new war. Yes. He treated nicely the, 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 the North Koreans and, and Russia, even the Chinese, you know. He, he, he delivered a policy which was the best one for Middle, for Middle East, Abraham Accords. Yes. So, so that was a very good foreign policy. He, you know, he's criticized that he is not 
you know, he's not educated enough to understand the word policy. This is not the case. Facts count. And his foreign policy was the best one for the world in the last several decades I have seen. And if he would have been the president at the moment of the Russian invasion started, no, it would, it, it would be not possible to do that by the Russians. So Trump is the man who can save the Western world and uh, probably the human beings in, uh, in the globe as well. That's, that's my personal conviction. I like that accent. Yeah, and, and so and he summed up what we've been trying to tell you, idiots. <laughs> right. I, I like how they mix words around, though. He was like, they would uh, be not able to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like, they would not be able to do this. It reminds me of the Rick and Morty episode, Pickle Rick episode, where he's in like the Russian bad guy thing or whatever. And and the the guy's like, he's after me because I threw uh, half away my sandwich. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's a good yeah. show if you don't watch Rick and Morty. It's on yeah, HBO. Yeah, I, I used to watch it. Um, I don't stay awake that late anymore. All right. But yeah. All right, well, buddy. Good episode. Good times. Thanks for watching, everybody. Um, I, if you're in Springfield, Missouri, come see me this weekend. My special will be out December 9th or 8th or something. I'll let you know when it gets closer. And what else? I think that's it. Anything yep. from you? No, nothing that I care to brag about at this moment. Okie doke. Good right, episode. Buddy. See you next week, y'all. God bless you. Bye-bye.